This is the Truth of the Matters podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I want to welcome you back to another edition of Bible Study Reflections, Solo, or with Friends. Today, there will be no one joining us. It will just be me. So I hope that after this conversation that we have today, that you'll be blessed and ready to tackle the week. First things first is I want to pray and hope that everyone enjoys this Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy your friends, your family, and your loved ones. Appreciate them while they're here. Appreciate them. And, you know, just be thankful for the time. Because during these periods and times, you can either grow closer or grow apart. Another thing I want to do is I want to thank everyone that has decided to press play today. Because myself and Daniel believe that what we're doing here is we're helping you on your faith journey. And we hope that you're continuously growing, maturing in the faith, the word of God, in your relationships. And that is what we hope. That's what we hope for when we started this. And we believe that growth doesn't happen in isolation, but happens in community. So continue to be there, continue to support one another, continue to grow in your faith, grow in relationship with one another, grow, of course, in relationship with God. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the segment, the segment was really inspired in my Bible study that I have with a friend of mine's named Eric that we have normally every Monday. But it seems that we've shifted it to Sunday for convenience on both sides. And I want to dive into the scripture quite a bit today because I believe that what I have to share can be helpful and encouraging to all believers. Right. We're all part of one body. And, you know, going back to the scripture to me is really foundational. It really assists me in times of trouble and times of periods where I don't actually know what to do. And, you know, the scripture from my personal standpoint has not failed me. It's actually shifted me and kept me in a certain place of hope, reliability of God. And also, I'm mutually encouraged by the journeys of these men, whether it's Paul, whether it's James, whether it's John, whether it's Jesus, of course, it's something that they've always stated and said that I've gravitated towards and actually found some common ground in relation to what they wanted me to know and how I see the world and how I see my situation and experience. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right into prayer, of course, because on the Truth of the Matter of podcast, we believe inviting in the Holy Spirit. So that we can get a clear indication on the approach and the mindset we ought to have when it comes to approaching scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, and in the name of Jesus, first and foremost, I want to thank you so much for giving us this opportunity, this platform to be able to speak life into others. Lord, you said anytime two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. So, Lord, I pray that you would be present regardless of where people are pressed to play. I, I, I hope that you can come into their space and give them comfort 
give them a knowledge of knowing that you're there for them, that you love them, that you want what's best for them, that you see them in whatever circumstance, and that you want them to be overcomers. Lord, I, I pray that all eyes will see, all ears will hear intentionally, and all hearts can receive what it is that I'm going to share today. Lord, use me as your instrument of righteousness to share your word. Lord, use me to speak life into those who need it. Encourage them, motivate them, inspire them. Let them know that you're aware of their situation. And more importantly, there's nothing new under the sun. The situation, the circumstances that we're in are very much familiar may not correlate to a T but there are some similarities and we can draw from those similarities and hope that it can launch us and place us in a much more comfortable and understanding predicament let us strive in those circumstances and situations come out better Lord I say this in Jesus name and all in agreement say Amen so for those who aren't familiar again this segment was inspired from a bible study that i have with a friend of mine's named eric and we do it once a week we usually tackle a specific book we go usually two or three chapters and we take time to read it individually and then we come together and we break it down we unpack it and it was last Sunday that we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and 8. And I was really honing in on 2 Corinthians chapter 7. There was something about 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And there was something about the first seven verses that I want to talk to you about today. So I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to go back from the beginning and unpack it from verse 1 to verse 7. And I hope that what I have to share can be motivating and inspiring in your individual journeys when it comes to reading scripture. And maybe something I say today could be helpful for you. So we're going to be reading this in the English Standard Version. This is what it says, starting at verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion. In the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. Verse 5, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Verse 7, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort which with, with which he was comforted by you. And as he told us of our longing your mourning your zeal for me so that i rejoice still more 
So this is a very interesting passage because it starts out and you know the experience that they're going through and what made me gravitate to this passage and this particular verse is it starts off with this statement since we have these promises beloved since we have these promises beloved and what made me think is what are the promises that Paul is speaking about what are the promises that we have as believers and normally when it comes to a strong basic hermeneutic first thing you want to do is you want to look at the before verse or the before chapters and in this case we don't get the word promises until we go all the way back to chapter two. Now, for context, you want to look at Second Corinthians chapters two, starting at verse eleven through twenty-two. But for the sake of time, I want to start at verse eighteen, and this is what it says: "But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no." Verse nineteen: For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no but in him it has always been yes for no matter how many promises God has made they are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Very important verse there. That's verse 21. We will come back to that. He anoints us. Verse 22. Set his seal of ownership on us. And put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. So. If we go back to verse 20. It says for no matter how many promises God has made us. Now, again, the statement here is promises as more than one, but it doesn't shed light on what we read in verse one of chapter seven, right? We go back to verse one in chapter seven, since we have these promises. So what are these promises, right? So what I decided to do Let's go back and look and find out where there are passages and books that speak about promises as in more than one. Now, the first book that came to mind is Galatians. And I believe that's exactly where we needed to go. So I want to start at Galatians chapter 3. I want to read verses 15 through 18. And this is what it says. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that's been duly established. So it is in this case, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Very interesting. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. 
Scripture does not say into seas, meaning many people, but into your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant purely established by God and thus do away with the promise. For it is an inheritance depending on the law, then it is no longer dependent on a promise. But God and his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. So this is interesting because the word promises in this passage is converted to a promise and you know suggesting here there are many promises that can be filled but it has to be brought out through one single promise let me repeat that there can be many promises provided as long as it's coming through one promise and that one promise is Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, many promises can be fulfilled. Okay. Now, we're on to something here. I want to go and continue to Galatians, but I want to start at verse 21 to 22. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given through, or had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So these promises are promised through the action of faith. And that faith is in who? Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read one more verse in Galatians chapter 3. I want to jump to 29, verse 29. It says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, why am I focusing so much on the promises and the promise? Because the promises come through the promise, Jesus Christ. And that promise was given to Abraham. And Abraham is the father of faith. Remember, what he did is that he provided works and the works were credited to him as righteousness. And through that faith in God, right, for those who know the story, through that faith in God, it was credited to him as righteousness. He was told to sacrifice his son. He obviously didn't understand why, but he was obedient. And as a result, he became a father of many nations through the promise, right? God told him and he looked up at the sky and he saw the many stars and he said, you will have many descendants as these stars in the sky. And guess what? All of us who are exercising faith are children of Abraham. So we go back to the original passage, Second Corinthians chapter seven. We go back to verse one. It says, since we have these promises, beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from every deferment of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion and the fear of God. So, the promises that Paul is speaking here are many, and they come through Christ. And as a result, he is suggesting that we cleanse ourselves. And how do we cleanse ourselves? By walking in the spirit. And what does that do? It brings about holiness to completion. Now, this is interesting, right? Paul says that God says that we shall all strive to be holy as he is holy. So what is holy? Holy means to be set apart, to be different. And that difference is to live a life worthy of your calling, to live a life that is reflected upon your relationship with God. To live holy is to be separate from all the different walks of life and choices that people make without a moral compass that's rooted in God's word. To be holy is to be complete. Now, how does one become complete? And it says here, bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. So the first time I encountered the word fear was in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says the fear of the Lord was the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord was the beginning of knowledge. And I had to unpack that word fear. And it means reverence. To have respect for someone or something. So really... By being holy is to be set apart, but to be holy as he is holy is a standard when it comes to your relationship with God. And in that standard, you have to desire to have reverence towards God. We know in Hebrews, the most important thing that it says is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, to have faith is to be lined up with what God is requesting of us. That is what he's operating in. That is how God communicates. Without faith, in the book of James, it says you'll be like a wind tossed to and fro. You must be confident in what it is that you're doing and who you're trusting and who you're believing. And that is what brings me to want to unpack bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And there's a passage that I read in James. I want to go to it. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And this is what it says. Com consider it pure joy. Or in the King James Version, it says, count it all joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So. The aspect. Of trials of many kinds of tribulations. It's the testing of your faith. And through it, perseverance 
happens. Allow that perseverance to develop and grow, to improve the man or the woman, brings you to a place of maturity and completeness. The word completeness is very much similar to what Paul is saying in Corinthians 7 1. Let's just finish the verse here. Not lacking anything, verse 4 to 5, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So, what are we learning so far? We're learning that these promises are rooted in the promise, the seed, which is Jesus Christ. In order to please God, you have to be operating in faith. What faith does is it brings you to a place of completeness in Christ. Remember, for those who aren't familiar with this passage, a woman who was bleeding for many years was incomplete. She touched the garment of Christ and he made her whole again. Her faith made her whole. Her faith made her whole and complete again. The power that seeped out of him fulfilled her condition. It addressed her condition. That's why she said, if I can, can, if I can just touch the garment, I will be healed. So not only does your faith in that situation for her make her complete, it made her whole. And it healed her. Now, this concept of becoming whole and complete has to begin in having reverence and respect towards God. Okay? Now, when we go to verse 2, it says, Make room in your hearts for us. Right? So that really has to do with just being open. To what God has to say through individuals that are carrying the message. It says, make room for in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. It says, I do not say this to condemn you. Right? So he wants to make sure that what he is saying doesn't result in you feeling condemned. And it says, for I said before that you are in our hearts. To die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am, an, I am filled with comfort in all your afflictions. I am overflowing with joy. So I want to start. I want to start right there. Verse 4. And I want to look at what he means here. He says, I have great pride for you. I am filled with comfort. In all of your afflictions, I am overflowing with joy. So this is interesting, right? He says, I am filled with comfort. Why? Don't understand. What do you mean you're filled with comfort? In all of your afflictions, I am overflowing with joy. Interesting, right? So remember, I went to James for a reason. Because in James, he's talking about considering it pure joy. 
Consider it pure joy or count it as joy when you face trials of many kinds, right? This is again, is James chapter one, verse two through five. He said, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance is important. There's a, there's a passage in Romans chapter five, verse three through five. It says rejoice in your suffering because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put you to shame because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Why does that matter? Because when we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we're looking at verse 4. He says, I am filled with comfort. In all of your afflictions, I am overflowing with joy, which means the very trials and tribulations that you're going through personally, Paul is saying that in these moments, he is filled with comfort for you. He is filled with comfort in all your afflictions. He is overflowing with joy because he understands that in those moments of tough trials and tribulations and afflictions, your faith will grow. It will improve. It will get stronger. Right? Under tension, you can only go up, hopefully. Right? If you're, you're counting it joy, if you're looking at the situation and you're looking at the positiveness that can happen in your trust and belief in God. Right? So this is interesting because when we go to verse five, this is second Corinthians, right? I'm jumping all over the place, but I want you to follow me. We go back to second Corinthians chapter seven. We go to verse five. He says, for even when he, even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear within, right? But God who comforts the downcast, comfort us by coming by the coming of titus so this is interesting right let me finish this verse seven and then i'm gonna go back and unpack this a little bit more verse seven says not only by his coming but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us for all your longing your mourning your zeal for me so that i rejoice still more this is a very interesting passage because what we see in verse six is that, but God who comforts the downcast, comfort us by the coming of Titus. This is why Paul says in first, says in Romans chapter one, verse 12, that we should be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. So what does God do? He sends Titus. He sends Titus to motivate and encourage and inspire and to strengthen the faith of the brothers that were going through these these situations in macedonia when we go all the way back to second corinthians chapter 2 what does god say at verse 20 for no matter how many promises god has made they are yes in christ they are yes in christ and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, this is catch this verse 21. Now it is God. Now it is God who made both us and you stand firm in 
Christ. And one of the ways God can do that is he actively sent Titus to motivate and encourage those that needed the motivation and encouragement when they went into Macedonia. Right? Verse 22 says, he sets his seal of ownership on us and puts his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. So not only is the Holy Spirit encouraging us, he sends a brother to help be with them in this time of difficulty. Some really good stuff here. Right? We know affliction is something that causes pain or suffering, right? This mental distress that comes from it. But when we look at our walk as believers, it's a necessity. It's important. It's very important. It's important because through it, God is using, you know, in Romans 8, 20, it says, it says all things work together to those who love the Lord and accord according to his purpose. So let me make this clear. Some of the things that happen to us are not God sent. Some of them are. But guess what? God can still use bad things for your good. Remember, God did not create evil, but he sure knows how to bring good out of evil. And in this case, these trials and tribulations that we go through, that we're facing, out of it, we come out much better than we were before it happened, right? And I'm going to tell you something. We go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. It says this. In the world, you will encounter trouble, tribulations, trials, and distress, and frustrations. It says, don't be surprised by it, but be a good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. So, John 16.33, I took a combination of what it was stated and amplified NIV and NLT and put it together because certain words touch on, you know, touch us. Why? Because certain words speak to our situations, right? He says, in this world, you're going to encounter trouble. All of us have faced some element of trouble, tribulations and trials. All of us have faced tribulations and trials, distress. Some of these things that we face in the world create an attitude and a feeling of feeling distress, frustration. A lot of us go through moments and times where we feel frustrated, but we're learning from Christ. He says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. The scripture what it really does is it reminds us and it puts us on notice on these things so that when we face them, we're not surprised. We're not phased by those moments when they come. We're ready. We understand that it's going to come. Right. And Jesus is saying he's overcome the world. So if he's overcome the world, we can. And guess what? When we accept Jesus Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit will be with us to help us overcome these moments and periods and times in our lives and what we're dealing with. Now, I want to mention a passage that I think could be helpful. So in this discussion I had with Eric, he spoke about 
you know, well, the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse verses 1 through 7 speaks about an encouragement in a group. And I said, this is very true. And if you notice the passage that I'm speaking about in James speaks much more on the individual level. Right. And I told him that, you know, the gospel message is a personal transformation. And through that personal transformation, its design is to impact the whole. Right. Remember, do one man, Adam, sinned and brought a condition into the world, which is sin that hinders us. It actually separated us from God. But through another man, Christ, who is known as the second Adam, and this is towards the end of Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about how he has brought us life and how he has redeemed us and how his stripes has made us healed. And, and what Jesus does is when he is risen and God resurrected him, that personal interaction, that personal sacrifice through Christ we are all saved right he says in John fourteen six, I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me it's that personal journey that he went through and that sacrifice that through him we're all redeemed regardless of culture regardless of where we are in life regardless of whatever sin we've been in it's through Christ that we're born again it's through Christ that we're made a new creation right and what that does is that it brings about a public or community reform remember when Jesus encountered the woman at the well it was her testimony that brought others to believe in Christ it was her testimony that gave other people the opportunity to encounter Jesus Christ who then would believe his words and we have to understand that as believers the reason why it was so vital and so important it's because the world and its desires will pass away. Whoever, but the word of God will endure forever. And as agents, as ambassadors, as representatives of Christ in this world, we are here not to convert it, but to provide a, an alternative. And that alternative is to put the faith and trust in Christ, right? we dive deeper we know in the, the, the tower of babel god allowed all the nations to go their own way right we learned that in the book of acts but he is slowly but surely redeeming all those who have decided to put their faith in christ which means it's a choice at the end of the day no one is being forced right all of us have equal opportunity to accept him and this is a reason trust to have so the reason why I bring this up is because I want to bring up and mention two more scriptures before we close. I want to look at Luke chapter 22, and I want to look at verses 31 to 32 in the NLT. And this is what it says. Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Why do I bring up this passage? Because Jesus is talking to Simon. And he is informing him that the devil, Satan, has asked for permission to challenge you. So what is Jesus saying? He says, I pray for you, Simon. So rather than remove the obstacle that Peter is going to face, because that's who Simon is, it's Peter. Jesus says, I'm just going to pray for you. Remember, scripture is very intentional. When James says, consider it pure joy, count it joy, right? And we read in Romans about count it joy when you face trials and tribulations. Perseverance, character, hope, those things have to be strengthened. So, in other words, God allows the enemy to enter. Why? Because God is going to use what appears to be bad for your good, for your development, for your growth. So, what does Jesus say here? I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. Right? And this is what's interesting. He says, so when you have repented, right? So repentance is viewed in two, is a two side. It's like a flip of a coin. One is forgiveness and one is a turn away from things that have ailed you or bad behavior, right? You know, when God breathed the breath of life into us, we all were the dust of the ground of the earth. And God has called us to be greater and better than what we were. And that comes through the development stage, through the growth stage. He wants us to stand in the soles of our feet above what we used to be. And to elevate and flourish under his stewardship, right? So, he says, turn and strengthen your brothers. So here it is, a personal situation that Simon is going to go into. And Jesus is saying, use that personal experience and then turn around and encourage your brothers. So, this is what I meant by you can have a personal encounter of obstacles and trials and tribulations, but then take what you learn from that, that situation and circumstances and employ to educate and to inspire and to motivate your brothers and sisters. That's what God wants us to do. Right? Nothing will go to waste. All your gifts, talents, and abilities, God will make sure that whatever you do, all things will work together for your good. So, rest assured that all your talents, your gifts are very much useful. All the things that you've done that you think have no value and play no significance in your life right now, best believe it can be used for your good. And God is going to make sure it won't go to waste. Just like when we take a lemon and we want to get every ounce of juice out of it, we take an orange and get every ounce of juice of it, best believe that as a follower of Christ, 
and him using you as an instrument of righteousness, he's going to make sure that everything you've ever done in life or you set your eyes on and you dibbled and dabbled in it, if you're following suit to be under his guidance and direction, he's going to use it. Nothing goes to waste in the sight of God. So I've said a lot today. And I want to close with this passage, because, again, this is very important about these trials and tribulations and knowing that through it. You can be helpful to others and most importantly, embrace it, embrace the challenge. Philippians chapter four, verse 11 through 13. I love this passage because it's the passage. In context, when it comes to hermeneutics that many don't like to look at. They love to quote 413, but they don't like to look at verses 11 and 12. And I want you to hear what 11 and 12 says. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secrets of being content in any and in every situation, whether well fed or hungry or whether living in plenty or in want i can do all things through christ who strengthens me i bring this up because i want people to understand that regardless of what situation and circumstance that you're in learn to be content and when you're facing these trials and tribulations find something within it that you can appreciate right I say this because when we think about Joseph and him being in jail and God still being with him, do it. God was shaping him and fashioning him and what appeared to be worthless became something very important. It was practice before God moved him into a place where he was second in charge in Egypt. So the contentment that you that you need not act as if. It means nothing. It means plenty. It means a lot more than you think. Learn to be happy in the little moments. The storm that you're going through. Understand that you will go through some hardships. But there will be positive sides to it. Learn to embrace it. It's a journey for a reason. So, there's one more passage. I actually lied. There's another passage (laughs) that I want to bring up. To close. And it's something that I think a lot of us need to be mindful of. And this passage is first Peter chapter four, verse twelve to fourteen. And I'm gonna look at this in the English Standard Version. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are instilled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So. What do I have to say to close this out? Very simple. Don't underestimate the challenges that you face and how the testimony that you're building can be inspiring and helpful for somebody else. 
which means the words that you speak can be motivating and encouraging for others. The pastor, Second Corinthians chapter seven, verses one through twelve, one through seven, speak about these promises. Those promises will be fulfilled through one promise and one seed, and that's Jesus Christ. Right? God is not the author of confusion. He's not a man that he should lie, and therefore, we need to rejoice. We need to we need to re rejoice because. We're being comforted by one another. This podcast is an aspect of comfort. Our design or our desire and the design of this podcast is to help you see how the word of God can help us maneuver through this thing we call life. And it should not be, it should not fall on deaf ears, rather that trying to live out the Christian difference is a challenging thing. But the most important thing that we need to understand and appreciate is that what might be troublesome to an unbeliever is very much useful to those who are believers. Trust me, God knows what he's doing. Right? He was here before we were created. He'll be here when we're gone. And as a result, this challenging thing in life of embracing tired trials and tribulations is a part of the process. And you can imagine if there are no trials and tribulations, if there isn't a Goliath, well, how is your faith in Christ going to grow? Right. We have to put our faith and trust in something because the things that we're dealing with in life these days. Right. This this. The scales are not tipped in our direction for our benefit, right? They're just not. And relying on God who knows all the routes that can better us is why we should not lean on our own understanding, but trust in him who is true and wants what's best for us. So I'm going to close out in prayer. I hope that what I had shared today, you got something out of it. and. Man, just stay hungry in the word. Keep reading it. Keep desiring God. And I promise you, he's doing a lot more speaking than you think. All you have to do is go to his word and you'll see what he's saying to you and how it applies to your situation and circumstance that you're dealing with or going through at the moment or what you're going to go through. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for your word it's foundational it's true it's here to help us lord i want to thank you so much for thinking of us for dying for us for loving us in spite of what we may think and what we don't know lord protect us as we go throughout the week shield us guide us direct us let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Pray for one another. I hope that we pray for one another, Lord. Lord, your word is true. You're not a man that you should lie. And therefore, Lord, I pray that all those who are listening desire to get to know, get to know you better by going through your word. Because in it, you'll be surprised on how much you're really saying. 
the things we're going through, Lord, we, we need to know and understand that it works for our benefits. That you're shaping and fashioning us into the person that you want us to be. But in order for us to arrive at that place, there are things we have to go through. And we have to know that you're with us. Regardless of how it seems and looks, we are children of faith. Therefore, we don't walk by, we walk by faith, not by sight. Situations and circumstances could be tough and rough, but we walk by faith and not by sight. So Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I pray that we continue to grow in relationship, not in isolation, but in community, that we continue to put our trust in you because we know that you're Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the creator of all things. Anything that we ask according to your will, you will do. And therefore, Lord, we trust in you and not on our own understanding. All those in agreement say in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.